0: This one is a quick hitter question. So I want to know in this, anyone that's about to apply to work for you, this is literally a cheat sheet. Brian, what are some five things that you look for when you hire candidates? What are five things that you look for? Go.
1: Boom. That's so easy. So we have our core values, which we call our gist. And it's R-G-I-S-T. And so if you want to work for me, you need to be responsive. Responsiveness is the number one thing that that makes people feel safe and makes them feel like they're being taken care of. Even if that's like, I don't know the answer, but thanks for letting me know you've got the question. Be responsive. Um, Generous. I need you to be generous. I need you to be thinking outside of yourself. I need you to have this mentality um, that if somebody asks you to walk one mile, I want you to be able, I want you to walk two miles with them. Like that's the mentality I want you to have. And look at a Benity, we equip you to be generous. We, we've, we've given you the ability to make the decisions to be generous with other people. And that's because we trust and respect you so much. You're on the team. I is to be intentional. And that used to be innovative, but we expanded it to intentional because we want you to think, like the customer and think about what they're going through and be intentional to meet them kind of where they are. Um, S is to keep things simple. And that's just like period, just keep it simple. Don't overthink. And T is to be transparent. Don't be afraid to tell people why, the why behind what you're dealing with. And so if there's a customer that's having a bad scenario or in stock or a tech issue or something, communicate the why behind how it's happening, bridge the gap for that customer, for that person so that they can understand what's causing it. And if you can't communicate the why, well, that's unhealthy. So, or if you're ashamed to communicate the why, or you're afraid, or the why seems selfish, or, you know, why do you charge these fees? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? Well, if you can't transparently communicate the why without feeling shame or fear or frustration, that's unhealthy for the business. That's unhealthy for you, the employee. That's unhealthy for the customer. And so you need to bring it back to leadership and say, Hey, look, I don't feel comfortable sharing the why behind this. And we'll fix that because the whole business will break down if we can't stay transparent. Uh, So those are my five. You are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speaks show.
0: What's going on guys. It's your hobby, David St. Clair Speaks. You are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speaks show. are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speak Show. What's going on guys? Welcome back to the St. Clair Speak Show podcast. I'm your host, Yahavi St. Clair. Guys, we got another impactful guest. I am really impressed by the bio, but also the backstory on how Brian Rowland got to this point. I love to dive into, of course, the accolades, but I wanna know the person behind the accolades, right? So CEO and founder, Six Time Inc. of Benity, Brian Roland. I wanna personally welcome you onto the Sinclair Speak Show podcast. But before we dive into the introduction of you know, your brand, your business, what got you to this point, I wanna start with one of the questions I never get to ask anyone.
1: Yeah. How are you feeling today? Man, I'm feeling great. How could I not feel great after that intro?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I want to dive into it. I want to know, before we get into the whole backstory of the brand and the business and all the success, what got you to this point of, okay, this is what I want to do. Did you envision this? What was that moment where you discovered fire like a caveman? How did we get here?
1: Man, that's a, that's a great question. That's a, that's a cool way to frame the question. So for me, my journey started in 2006. I was five years out of college. I was in an outside sales role. Um, I had been successful in outside sales, but it was, it was like the school of hard knocks. It was basically like, here's your $18,000 a year salary. Don't come back until you find 30 phones. Uh, and uh, to sell, I was selling cell phones um, at the time. And uh, and and so, you know, I I had built up this this essentially formula to to sell phones through corporate America to their employees. Um, The employees of certain companies get discounts as a benefit. And that led me really into this problem that I was that I encountered in that job. And that that problem just really motivated me to build a bridge over that gap and, and, and solve the problem. And, and so that's what led, that was kind of the catalyst moment when I am bringing my cell phone material to corporate America saying, hey, tell your employees about these essentially deals for this month. And the wrong information got published on the intranet of this company for the employees. And uh, it was the Walt Disney Company. They had 135,000 employees at the time, and you know they're like, "Look, I'm sorry, but it took us two weeks for IT to get that up there. Um, they're not just going to pull it down. Like we're just going to have to deal with the consequences of whatever's up there." So it was a customer support nightmare for Sprint. This was the cell phone provider I was working with for me and my sales role, and really for HR because the employees were confused and getting the wrong information. So I went to them at that time. I said, hey, what if we built a platform for you that manages these merchant relationships that you have together? And Disney had maybe 300 merchants offering discounts and benefits to their, their they call them cast members instead of employees uh, as, as a benefit. Well, what if we built you a platform that managed those merchant relationships and then the merchants work directly with us so that you didn't have to deal with them? And your IT department didn't have to deal with this at all. And then we'll just communicate directly between the merchants and the, and the team and your cast members, your employees, and we'll brand it for you so that it looks like your perks program. And that's, and that's what we did ultimately. And that's what we're doing today. We've just grown it to having over a million discounts across 10,000, uh, a million discount redemption locations uh, across 10,000 cities. Um, on everything from pizza and the zoo to movie tickets, oil changes, car rentals, hotels. And we do that for big companies like MasterCard and U.S. Bank. And, um, and it's, been, it's been an awesome, awesome journey in this kind of unique entertainment benefits space within kind of corporate perks for employees. Uh, and then what, what really motivated me to kind of answer that your first question was, you know, when I was selling phones, I, I went to my boss at the at the phone company, and I was like, "Hey, look, if we build this platform, we basically own the merchant relationships, and we can we can push cell phones all we want." And he very wisely said, "Well, we you know we just do cellular. Like, let's keep the main thing the main thing." Um, and so he said no. So I said, "All right, well, I'm going to try it on the side." A year and a half later, um, my brother and I, uh, who was my kind of Business partner, uh, we were able to take it full uh, full time, thanks to my wife's teaching salary. So, you know, this is not this was not a quick journey to full time entrepreneurial employment. Um, it took you know four years for us really to get sustainable uh, to the point where my wife could come home as our family was growing and and that sort of thing. But uh, just being entrepreneurial minded is what was really the catalyst. And then for me, hitting a point where I was making great money as a pretty young guy out of school um, and not being really satisfied with, you know, just the more money you make, the more things you have to deal with. That's the way I look at it. The more you have to manage, the more decisions you have to make, the more people you have speaking into your life and telling you things that maybe should matter, maybe shouldn't matter. I mean, I can't tell you the number of conversations I've had with people where they're like, you should do this. And after weeks of in kind of investigating through the process, you're like, so why am I doing this again? Well, all, and, and then it becomes, well, it's just an option. It's just something you can do. I was like, well, it's a big headache. I think it would have been better if we did nothing. <laughs> and so, um, you know, that none of that stuff was useful for me. And so I was like, you know, I wanted, I was really interested in impact and I wanted to I wanted there to be an output to a cause outside of myself uh, with every input into the business. And so what really motivated me was we started this new business venture with a social mission, and, and that's been kind of at the foundation of what we're doing since day one.
0: Ooh, Brian, I got a couple of good questions for you. Uh, that is a lot to unpack, but the first question I want to know, you know, there is, of course, this business and it's personal. What is it like working with a sibling in business? What, what, what yeah. is, what's that like for you?
1: That is a great question, and that's a unique answer for everybody. Um, for me, it's it's awesome. Um, and one reason it's awesome is, you know, if I'm kind of a personality profile nerd, but I'm old school. Like I still use the disc. So, um, if you're familiar with the disc you know, it really identifies your strengths in certain areas. And, um, you know, it for the D is how, how, how interested are you in making decisions? The I is how interested are you in being around people? The S is, you know, how steady are you? How can you go with the flow? And the C is how detail oriented are you? And so mine is like um, going going down the backside of the mountain like i want to make decisions i'm a high d i'm in charge let me make the decisions let me i'm a driver like get out of my way we're gonna make this happen my I is high i'm like i want to hang out with people and be around people as long as they don't get in my way <laughs> and my my s is like you know getting lower i'm like i'm not that steady of a person i you know Within 30 seconds, you could hear both sides of the coin from me in a a lot of categories because I see things from lots of different points of view. And then my my last one is not detail-oriented at all. And so my brother is climbing up the other side of the mountain. So he's not that interested in decisions. He's not that interested in being around people. He's pretty steady, solid rock, and he is perfectionist-level detail. And so because of that, we rarely care about the same issues. And so we work really well together. And in 13 years, I can only count a couple times, two or three times that we didn't align well. And it was always about something we both really cared about, which was our social mission. And, um, and, and so, you know, that was, that was kind of the, the breaking point. And, and one reason we really defined exactly what our social mission does is so that we don't have to have those conversations where it was like, well, what do you want to give to? Well, what do you want to give to? Well, that's where you can get divided in those moments. So we've predefined what we support, what we give to. It's known, everybody expects it. And that just creates tons of momentum for the cause and tons of alignment in our business.
0: I lo- I've never heard that analogy until you said it. So I had to really make a note of that, but I love that analogy. I love how you guys just even each other out because I have four brothers myself, and uh, you know how it is with brothers, you're extremely competitive. So I just wanted to know, like, how do you turn that off and on with, you know, the personal and business? Now, sticking to the business side, of course, you know, going through the pandemic, there's a lot of change. I want to know, like, what was that transition like for you guys? Uh, do you have more of a COVID-proof business model? Was it easy to adjust? Did you guys ramp up? What was that like for you? What's going on, guys? It's your hobby, David Sinclair speaks. And you are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speak Show. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast on platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything that you need in a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app and start your journey today. It's that time.
1: Yeah, that was, uh, that's a fantastic question. So for us, uh, we are, we have a great business model. So um, we, our business model is geared towards helping employees save money and stretch their paychecks. And so that's everything from like a free chips and a drink at Quiznos and the 25, 30% off at Papa John's to Discounts at Disneyland um, admissions and movie tickets. So uh the the in-home, the staycation kind of discounts where you're staying at home and you're doing things, well, those grew and those kind of merchant partners grew for us. Um, the attractions and movies and all that just disappeared. Um, and and so you know, it was a really interesting switch and um, we're, we're really one of the only groups in our space where uh, we take an agnostic approach to, to these corporate perks. We're, we're not trying to um, fund our business off of advertising. We're not trying to advertise to the employees. We're not trying to sell insurance policies to the employees. We're not trying to mark things up to the employees. Well, those are all the ways to make money on the back end. And that's what most of our industry does, which really dilutes the value for the employees because a lot of the margin that's available for them as savings is taken by the provider on the back end. So we do the exact opposite. We say, hey, look, we're not a free platform. Uh, You know, small business with less than 150 employees can get access to our program for 150 a month. So it's not expensive. Uh, However, that 150 a month, funds us to release all the wholesale rates and prices to our to the employees so they get the best deals out there and on our abenity.com site we publish a annual perks report and we compare to AAA and AARP and we show everybody how much deeper our discounts are than those providers uh, so that you're bringing something of value to your people but we had a big pivot but but here here's what was hard about the pandemic for us was uh, outside of us just focusing on different things to add value um we exited kind of stage three of the business life cycle um which was growth and establishment and we started entering stage four which is expansion and stay stage five which is maturity Um, and expansion and maturity are not, are rarely entrepreneurial strengths. Um, and for me personally, for sure it's not, um, because I like spinning up things that are new. I don't like expanding what's already working and maturing and, and, and growing out. It's not where my strengths are. So, February 2020, after six months of big discussions, and we've bootstrapped the whole way, we never took outside capital, um, we decided to uh, put a ex- new executive leadership in place for the company. And so February 20, 2020 uh, was the first month for our new CEO and our new president and COO, and I fully stepped down into a founder role. And so uh, it became in March, all right, good luck, guys. Your first big assignment is to navigate this global pandemic. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love that. I love that. So we're sticking on the topic of, you know, transitioning with the pandemic. How is it like, what, what is it like, you know, working fully remote? How, how do you run a team? And his staff, you know, there has to be some type of trust factor there to know that, yeah. you know, for example, that Margaret could do her job and she's doing her 10 hours as she should. Yep. What's that like running a full remote team? You know, you're not seeing each other in person. There's no brick and mortar. Everything's online. Um, what's that like?
1: Yep. So, yeah, we so we had a big advantage in this remote space. We uh, we have built a fully distributed team since 2006. And so we had been doing this a very long time while everybody else was figuring it out. So we did not have any disruption in workflow. Like, how do we work together with this new, how do we make this work? Um, and so, but, but you said it perfectly, uh, when, you're, when you're hiring remote team members, you know, if you have the privilege to, to start remote like we did and hire specifically for remote then you can make some more strategic decisions in the kind of people you hire back to that disc personality test. There are just some people that don't work well from home. I mean, they're just some personalities it's not healthy for. Um, and we've, we've worked really hard in the past to say, Hey, you know, with people and be like, look, man, your competency is off the charts. Um, but you know, when we hire, we look at three things. We look at can do will do and team fit. Um, and, um, you know, competency that can do might be really high, but, um, and they might be a great team fit. They may be really mesh with the kinds of people we are, but their personality requires them to have a level of interaction that we can't just support it remote. And that puts their will do at risk. And so we've had to have times where like, we just don't think you're the good, a good fit for full-time remote work. And, and that's and that's okay, but we had the luxury of building our business strategically that way, so that our our team is kind of buffered from from this. Um, there, most of the world did not get that, and so we start with with the, those three categories. From there, we go, you know, we apply a ton of trust and respect, um, and a big a big well, really the way that you can apply lots and lots of t- trust and respect on people is to have some kind of built-in affinity with them already. And so we have been fortunate and, and blessed with the people that come at, at times of need. We have just over 30 employees. Uh, they, they have, at this point, everyone has come to us and that's on the team is two or three degrees of separation from an existing team member. So we really stopped. So when you're a fully distributed remote team, um, the world's your oyster, right? You, you can find people anywhere and you should be measuring um, output, not ac- activity. Like activity is I need your keyboard to start typing at 8 a.m. And I need it to stop typing at 5 a.m. And I don't really care what it's typing about as long as you're doing something like that's this activity mindset. Output is, I don't care how you get it done, I don't care when you get it done, just get it done. And so, you have to have this out, output mindset, which opens you up to different time zones, different, uh, um, different things. And I mean, we had one lady whose husband got relocated to Guantanamo Bay and Cuba for his naval deployment. And she's like, Is this going to work? And I said, Well, will you have internet? Yes. Will you have phone? Yes. How's it different than where you're at right now in DC? Uh, I guess it's not. It's like, yeah, it'll work. So, you know, you you measure output over activity. Um, if you focus on people that are two or three degrees of separation from your existing team members, you've got a lot of loyalty built in there. And 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 you have to if if all of us are truly, you know, if if we are, if we averaged all of our Facebook friends you know, most people have a couple hundred Facebook friends and most of those people have a couple hundred Facebook friends. So the talent pool is quite large, even for a small team of 30 people that get feelers out there. And, um, and when somebody comes in, that's two or three degrees of separation, they already have heard of who you work for. They already know what you're about. Um, they want to impress you and your, the new bosses and so you, you have this loyalty built in that doesn't exist when you go outside of that level and you just go straight to the marketplace. And that, and that really helps. Um, and then from there, it's just rules of engagement um, at, that are really important for communicating. I, I wrote a whole article on this on Roland.com. It's called Stop Sending Internal Emails. And that is probably the one secret that we've done is we don't email each other internally. Um, And there's a one-page PDF you can download. In fact, now's probably a good time. If you're listening and you want the rules of engagement for remote team, just text the word rules to my phone number. You'll get an auto response. Um, The phone number is area code 615-802-6853. And you'll get those rules of engagement for remote teams and, and the biggest the big idea is don't email each other use the correct channel for the correct kind of communication so when it's a when when it's quick clarity that you need don't email uh chat send a little chat message like in slack or something like that um if it's not quick clarity and you need further clarity don't email don't chat a big long thing I know this is a tough one, but pick up the telephone and make a phone call and talk to them. And Hey, better yet, like go take a little walk, get out of the dark room in your house for a minute. And so it's just these rules of engagement. When you get your team together or multiple teams together, that's the time to use video and get some visual interaction, but don't use video too much because your brain, when you're on video is no matter what's going on, your brain is trying to reconcile that I can see you I can see your facial expressions I can see your body but I can't see all of your body and your, so your brain is working overtime trying to reconcile the fact that you're there but you're not there and this is where that zoom fatigue comes in is because it's way more draining on you than being in person with somebody so don't do a ton of video you know stick to things that give you energy and there are people that get energy more from video than others and so just You know, lean into what works and um, reserve email for your customers, your suppliers, uh, the people that you want to keep in that kind of external communication mode. Don't use text messages at all ever for work. I know it's crazy, but look, the moment you start texting customers or suppliers or whatever, you have given up your work life balance. You have no privacy any longer. All your customers can get access to you at any time. The only reason I recommend, you know, texting anyone for work is um, if you get a second cell phone just for that purpose that you can leave locked up in your office and leave behind. And and look, I've learned the hard way because um, you know a relationship that starts out really good in business it doesn't always end up really good in business. And so if you have this safe like fun text communication in the early days, well, if it's if you're ever in a situation where it's not so good you can't get away from this and it can really damage your work-life balance. So those are just some of the rules in there and you can get the whole thing at, at on the side or by texting that number.
0: So Brian, I got—I have a couple of good ones for you, but this one is a quick hitter question. So I wanna know, in this anyone that's about to apply to work for you, this is literally a cheat sheet. Brian, what are some five things that you look for when you hire candidates? What are five things that you look for? Go
1: boom that's so easy so we have our core values which we call our gist and it's r g i s t and so if you want to work for me you need to be responsive responsiveness is the number one thing that that makes people feel safe and makes them feel like they're being taken care of even if that's like i don't know the answer but thanks for letting me know you've got the question be responsive um generous. I need you to be generous. I need you to be thinking outside of yourself. I need you to have this mentality um, that if somebody asks you to walk one mile, I want you to be able, I want you to walk two miles with them. Like that's the mentality I want you to have. And look, at Abenity, we equip you to be generous. we've, We've given you the ability to make the decisions to be generous with other people. And that's because we trust and respect you so much. You're on the team. I is to be intentional And that used to be innovative, but we expanded it to intentional because we want you to think like the customer and think about what they're going through and be intentional to meet them kind of where they are. Um, S is to keep things simple. And that's just like period. Just keep it simple. Don't overthink. And T is to be transparent. Don't be afraid to tell people why the why behind what you're dealing with. And so if there's a customer that's having a bad scenario or in stuck or a tech issue or something, communicate the why behind how it's happening, bridge the gap for that customer, for that person so that they can understand what's causing it. And if you can't communicate the why, well, that's unhealthy. So, or if you're ashamed to communicate the why or you're afraid or the why seems selfish or you know, why do you charge these fees? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? Well. If you can't transparently communicate the why without feeling shame or fear or frustration, that's unhealthy for the business. That's unhealthy for you, the employee. That's unhealthy for the customer. And so you need to bring it back to leadership and say, hey, look, I don't feel comfortable sharing the why behind this. And we'll fix that because the whole business will break down if we can't stay transparent. Uh, So those are my five.
0: I love that. I love that right there. All right. So. There's, there's this quote that I I love this quote. There's nothing that's more expensive than a missed opportunity. So leading into this question for you, what is the most painful lesson you've learned in business?
1: Yeah, I call them self-inflicted pain. Um, and it's been a recurring entrepreneurial, you know, fail forward, fail often. These are, that's good advice, right? Um, but it goes into this category that I call self-inflicted pain. And self-inflicted pain is generally like a good idea. It was, it's, it's a good idea. But the, the workload that it takes to execute it, um, you know, the, the long tail, generally, you know you've got a spike of a new idea and execution and implementation, but then it's got a long tail that follows it. And that long tail is where you lose the most value, and so a lot of those things. It's like, man, that was good. I'm glad we we learned from that, but we totally that we totally didn't get a return on that. Um, and that long tail it it involved too many people, and so be pay attention to your self inflicted pain. You know, pay attention to what works, pay attention to what's self inflicted, uh, and then try to avoid those things. Some The most painful ones for me have been when I've been too early to market. And when you're too early with an idea, there's just not the adoption behind it to lift it up and get it out there. And that's really hard. And you, you can't really discover that until you're in it. So recognizing it for what it is and recognizing it as soon as possible that this is too early and this is just not going to work. So we should put, push the pause button and wait for the exact right timing to move forward. Because once you get past a certain point, you can't rewind and it just becomes lost opportunity. Um and and so I think those are I think that's a good framework f- for all those things. That I think the other thing is to recognize your strengths uh to the point where when you, re- you you know there there are things you're really good at like you're blessed with like you you can do better than anybody else. There's competencies that you can get done just as good as anybody else and probably more efficiently because you know the big picture. And then there are things that you have to do that just wear you out and drain you. And all those lead to missed opportunities. And really it's hard, but you need to offload those middle two as soon as possible and just get to the point where you and your team members are only focusing on what they can do best. And when you have everybody doing what only they can do best, uh, then you're in a really healthy situation that you can carry forward for a really long time.
0: A really good follow-up question with, with following that one is if you could start over, right? I know you mentioned you guys were remote since 06, right? But if you could start over, but you were starting right now, right? What would you, what would you do, right? You have no team, but it's just you and your brother, but you got all these ideas. What would you do right now? If you could start over.
1: I'd start it, I'd start it sooner. I sat on the idea for a good six months before I had the guts to tell somebody else about it. And, um, and you know, that when you have that idea, you, you have to always remember that you have way more context for your ideas than anybody else. And so, and, and, And how is always at odds with wow. And, and rarely does anybody respond back to your wow. Here's my wow idea. This is awesome. Rarely does anybody just meet you in the wow and get all excited. Like, wow, that's awesome. That's going to change it. But they come at, they come at you with the how, which feels like a gut punch because they just, they're, they're trying to help you. They're trying to help you mature and build out the idea and, and stuff. But, man, it, it's a punch to the gut for your wow. Cause you're like, I didn't think about that. Yeah. That is complicated. Yeah. That is complex. Yes. There is that thing out there. That's kind of like this. And so because of that, you don't share your ideas to because you're afraid and you don't, you don't want the, that kind of adversarial response. Um, but I would have shared it sooner. I would have talked to more people about it. I would have not been afraid of the I would have seen the people coming at me with negative comments as being helpful and trying to lift me up and help me be successful as opposed to trying to tear me down and say it's not a good idea. And they're not trying to say it's not a good idea. They're saying, um, you know, be aware of these things and come up with a plan to overcome them so that you're successful. And so I would have done it sooner and I would have been less afraid to share my idea.
0: I love that question. And you know, it's so, what's really intriguing is every time I ask someone the question, it's I usually get the same similar answer and it just makes me want to be a risk taker even more. I freaking love that. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. So what I, I want to ask you this, um, not too many businesses are familiar with the whole SaaS and I kind of want you to break it down in terms of their importance. Like um, talk to us about the importance of scaling up a SaaS platform without outside funding. What's that like? What, what can businesses do to, to use this model to get them more business and get their names out there?
1: Yeah, so SaaS is software as a service. Uh, essentially, you're building a platform that, you, that, that others subscribe to. It can be a free subscription. So, I mean, Facebook is a SaaS platform. Um, people are subscribing to it. It just doesn't cost the user anything. It's funded by advertising. And uh, the what's what's really neat about a SaaS platform is it allows you with one templated approach allows you to serve a bunch of custom templates of the same thing in a cut in a very customized way. So for us, uh, you know, we we've built this very robust corporate perks platform. It lets you add in the discounts you want. It lets you remove the discounts you don't want. It lets you put in your own. It's branded for you. It's powered by a mobile app. But um, the, the platform we look for, we, we deliver to US Bank, looks very different from the program we deliver to HCA Healthcare and um, to MasterCard and some of these other big brands that we use. And it looks very different from the small brands that use us. And the small brands can say, hey, I've got, we've got access to the same perks that the big guys offer, Uh, but they're personalized and they look like each other they look like they've delivered it themselves. And so this, the SaaS gives you this SaaS approach um, to product development allows you to meet the needs of many uh, while developing in a very narrow kind of product channel. Uh, So that's the way to go now. SaaS is as you're building and bootstrapping and scaling up um there's there's a lot of technology requirements in this space and so you've got to really learn you know it's without funding from the outside you kind of need a secret weapon like we had my brother was our secret weapon he was a back-end web developer a front-end web developer a database architect, and a graphic designer. So in those four things, he could kind of do the role of, you know, five or six people. And, and especially in those early years, now he's not doing those things anymore uh, at this level. Uh, but for those first five years, he was he was doing all of them. And so that saved that allowed us to go farther with less capital. And so you know it is worth it to find a business partner that can help you accomplish these things or a few business partners that can help you accomplish these things without outside funding and then it's just a matter of being aware of the compliance there's there's technology compliance there's privacy compliance there's all these things that you have to do and those are checklists that are out there it's just a bunch of documentation and so make sure you find somebody who likes to do documentation cuz that's a part of that's a big part of it all and a lot of the reason why I've hired other leadership is because I, I am not one to bring this level of detail to things. In fact, um, my team celebrated uh, our new leadership, and you know they, we've got a great relationship. But their their meetings all of a sudden started having agendas, and all of a sudden they started having performance reviews and things that they've been waiting for to hear how they were doing, and lots of these. Detailed organizational development things that um, were not my strengths, and and that they really they really needed, and they wanted.
0: I want to ask you this question. Um, I'm, I want to phrase this the right way. So you know, you reached this level of success, right? You know, prior to you getting here, I'm pretty sure what drove you was one thing. Now you're here, you made it. Do you still have that? I'm not trying to say you have a chip on your shoulder. Like, wh- like, what's your mentality now? Like, okay, you've achieved this optimist level of success. Like, what's what's your drive force now? I know right before we recorded, you know, we were talking about fatherhood. We were that yeah. went into that. But I want to know, like, what's your drive and your why now on this level? Because I'm pretty sure it's it, there's no way it's the same since day one. So, like, what's your drive force now?
1: Yeah, no, I one thing I really like about Jeff Bezos's mentality is this day one mentality, but something I disagree with, the day one mentality is different based on maturity. It's day one of what maturity level. And I think that's really important. So day one of an organization that has no customers and is just an idea is like pure grit and hustle and clawing and scrapping and doing everything you can to make it happen, talking to as many people as possible knocking on doors, and it's hustle, hustle, hustle. Um, you will destroy a mature organization with that kind of hustle. It doesn't work anymore. And so day one of that level of this budding, maturing organization uh, is is very, very different. Uh, so some things that I learned was uh, that... Um, the more things that I could do didn't necessarily add value um, and like more did not equal more. <laughs> uh, and I learned in the software industry, I learned I've, I've really come to respect the, the reality of technical debt, which is just this idea that I create an idea as the idea guy and somebody goes and builds it. Well, then I go and create another idea. And then somebody goes and builds it. And then I create another idea, and somebody builds it. And then I go and and you do this, and you're building this like skyscraper. Well, you have to remember, you, you got to have like the maintenance crew that's down here keeping this modernized, keeping it clean, clean, keeping it all these things. And me as the idea guy, you know, the the people managing this come to a point where they're like. Hey, look, you need to stop building things because we can't keep adding floors to this skyscraper. Like it's getting too heavy. There's technical debt. Um, And so there comes to a point where you need to recognize, it goes back to that, keep the main thing, the main thing is adding more doesn't necessarily further your cause. It increases the complexity to the point where uh, it, it, it may not be sustainable. It may stop scaling. That's really important. Another thing I learned the same lesson with people. Um, You add, you know, you start with two people, say me and my brother, we add in a third person. All right. Well, that's great. We're working well. You add in a fourth person. We're working well. Well, you add in that fifth person. Well, every one of these new connections is not just like one new person to communicate. It's, you know, it's, it's times five. So the complexity multiplies by five with the fifth person the complexity multiplies by six with the sixth person and so adding people adding roles you need to be very strategic about because it's not like you're not just adding one more person now you're multiplying the complexity of everything by the number of other people involved that they're interacting with and working with um, and so You just don't realize that every single addition to the business adds significantly more weight than it did originally, especially if you have a day one grit entrepreneur mindset, as opposed to a day one maturing organization mindset or a day one mature organization. Um, And so those are all really key ingredients to keep in mind. And then um, me now being, you know, going on a year and a half of being, uh, in a founder role, uh, you know, not having an active leadership role. Um, the, I've had a lot of time to debrief these ideas and one big thing that comes back, uh, is when most of your, when, when you have a, when you have a couple of good ideas that are winners and you have a bunch of ideas that just don't really make it, well, you've got a lot of time that you could have freed up that didn't end up going towards anything and you got to take those chances. But when you let your time be free and you focus more, um, more sharply or acutely on these ideas that work, um, you have a lot more time to spend on things that matter. And so this is where the idea of no margin, no mission comes into play. And if you're just running so hard that you don't have the margin to be available for what matters whether that's your family whether that's for your team members personal lives and knowing what they're going through um, <laughs> whether that's to write write a thank you card or a birthday card to somebody like it, you know is it all worth it if you are burning so hard that you don't have the time for anything and most of your time is going towards things that don't matter because you know f- for the things that matter to get done you have to spend a lot of time going through the things that don't necessarily matter because in the moment, it's really hard to tell the difference.
0: So one of my favorite questions, of course, is, you know, where do you see where do you see the business in like five years? But I want to know, where do you see not only just the business, but the industry and in, in, in what you do? Where do you see this in the next 10 years?
1: Yeah. yeah, no, that's a great question. That's a really interesting question. Um, so the good thing about our space is uh, we say perks are about people. And, and look, we're all in the people business, every one of us, wherever we are. And when it comes to serving employ, employers and companies, um, and we do membership organizations for their members and alumni groups for their alumni and customer loyalty programs. And But people are always going to be looking to enrich the lives of their people. So they're always going to be looking at how do we add incentives how do we add benefits? How do we add? How do we? Um, how do we build loyalty so that we are attracting people to come work for us or buy our product, or so that we're retaining the people that we're serving now? Uh, that that's never going away. And so for us, we're always staying on the front edge of what it is that, what is it that's adding value to people's daily lives. We're very focused on helping people stretch the power of their paychecks, the purchasing value of their paychecks with discounts and savings off things that people are doing uh, annually, like big trips and hotel stays and theme park visits and and just lunches out and that kind of thing. Oil changes, tires, you know, we got 15% off at Jiffy Lube and Firestone and uh, all these things that people are spending money on. We want to help stretch that money a little farther by giving them, some savings that are that's in their pocket, that that's always going to be there. There's always going to be value there. The loyalty spectrum, the the pendulum swings from convenience to savings. Um, we've been in a long convenience cycle right now with people willing to pay Amazon Prime an extra you know whatever buck uh, a year to get to get stuff same day or next day or in two days, like that's major convenience cycle. But, but that's, we're all pretty spoiled right now. We have a lot of economic conveniences at our fingertips that are not guaranteed and they won't always be there. And when, when the pendulum swings the other way, that's when loyalty goes towards savings and discounts and how do we help people do more with what they have. Um, and so we're just always swinging on that pendulum with everybody else coming up with the best perks at the time and um, trying to stay relevant as we go.
0: You know, there's there's this saying uh people do business with um people do business with people that they like know and trust right so when you're looking at when you're looking at brands you want to do business you want to do business with these big corporations and these big brands what are some things that you look for uh prior to you even reaching out to these big corporations
1: yeah um no no that's a that's a great question um you know i i i don't think i don't necessarily um look for uh look for that i i am really a firm believer in just kind of this value-added transactional marketplace so um i i am looking for transparency from companies um you know i i want to know and and not transparency with what they're doing with my money you know like jeff bezos goes to the moon or what he didn't go to the moon <laughs> He, you know, he left the atmosphere. He'll be at the moon next week. It's okay. The uh, And he thanks the Amazon customers for making it possible. Well, there's a level of reality there. But look, people didn't buy Amazon stuff so that Jeff Bezos could get outside of the atmosphere. So that's not really a fair connect. Like people bought Amazon stuff because Amazon met their needs and met their expectations um, in the marketplace. And so... I'm looking for transparency in that way. Um, you know, if I, I'm not like, like if you have what I'm looking for and it's the best price and I feel the safest from level of service uh, and quality, you know, that's as deep as I go into kind of this brand analysis um, because that's how the marketplace functions best. You know, if you take it further into the, the complex, the social complexities out there. Well, number one, it, it's complex. Um, and it, it's, it's not productive to get too deep into all that. Um, and so, you know, we're just looking for, um, we like doing business with, um, we're looking for the people that we can add value to regardless of who they are, regardless of what they stand for. We're here to kind of serve people, meet them in their needs where they are. And, um, and look, if we do that, well, we build a relationship along the way. And if we build a relationship, uh, we, we develop kind of a a friendly professional relationship. And then if we have a friendly professional relationship, we can have a healthy dialogue um, about all kinds of different things where we can understand each other, where we have the empathy for one another and we recognize each other's humanity to get into big conversations without it being divisive and, we might walk away learning something from each other. And this is the way I'd love for it to be is again, we're all in the people business. So if we can keep things that are transactional, transactional and we can keep people being people, well then we build relationships and we, and we grow from there and we get better from there. And um, you know, but our digital world doesn't always make that super easy.
0: Oh man, this was a, I, I, t- I've told you right before we started, I was like, Brian, sometimes I don't know if it's going to be an interview or it's going to feel like a coaching session. I love the way you think I, I man, this is why I'm so passionate in, about podcasting because to, to, to pick your brain, to, to find out you know, what got you to this point, how you overcome adversity, how you stay so innovative, the exit strategies, and there's so much different things now. I've highlighted, I I took down a bunch of notes, but you gave us so much hidden gems, even when you're hiring, looking for candidates, because there has to be a trust factor there. If you're going to replace me and and, and do my podcasting, you got to come with that energy enthusiasm. I can't trust you to interview Brian if you're not showing up with that energy enthusiasm. So there's some particular things that you look for. And man, that disc analogy was just like, I'm still stuck on that. But this was literally... (laughs) This was so good. I I'm looking at the time. I'm like, damn, like we're towards the end of the interview already. But there's just so much hidden gems in this, man. This is one of those personal favorites because I'll just share this with you. I think one of the biggest hurdles that I was facing with, and I, it's been for the last four or five months, was when I'm interviewing people to come work for me, get on my marketing team for podcasting. I just don't know what to look for sometimes. I, at moments, I didn't know what to look for. Is it more sort of psychology things? Is it specific questions I should look for? But the way you broke it down in terms of the characteristics and what to look for and what to search for kind of gives me an indication of, okay, I think I know what what I need. I don't need a yes man. I don't need anyone to agree with. I definitely don't want anyone agreeing with everything I say. I want someone that's not afraid to challenge me and say, ah, I think that's trash, man. I, I think we could do much better than that and you know, go this way and, and go that way. But I love the way you think. I really love the way you think. So, in closing, summing this up, and I'll give you the floor here. If there is anything that you want the listeners to take away from this episode, what would it be and why?
1: Yep. Well, listen, I I think the trick in business is to just show up, right? I I I think you can expand that in life. Look, we didn't we didn't talk about in the pre-show, we talked about kids. But man, just show up for your kids, just show up for your spouse, just show, just show up like, you know, it, it, it's all the difference in the world. And and it goes as far as like, if you haven't been to church in a while, and that's important to you, just show up like that's seriously the only step it takes. And then things, things go from there. So that I think is the most valuable, uh, lesson that I, I revert back to, um, I think often about the idea that if you if you get rid of the margin in your life, you have no mission. Um, look, when you're when you're thinking about how do you lead and take care of yourself, you know, and you're like the hierarchy of needs. Well, if you're putting your family or your work before yourself, I mean, that's a that is a short term uh, strategy because yourself will get unhealthy um, and you won't be able to take care of your family or your work anymore. And so you may feel like oh, it's selfish for put me to put my personal health ahead of my family and my work, but no, it's strategic. Like you, you need to be putting yourself ahead. Um, otherwise, you won't be there to take care of them long-term. And you got to have this big picture point of view. And the other thing that I think is super important is Having your why and having a purpose and a, and a focus that's outside of yourself, outside of your brand, outside of your products and services, because look, you're always going to let yourself down. Um, your brand is always going to be fighting for its life. Same with your products and services. They're going to be up and down in relevancy. You're going to have wins and losses. And if your why and your purpose is inside, is on that roller coaster, like, hey, you, you're setting yourself up for failure and just a miserable life. So that's why we created this social mission where we have for every input into the business, we have an output that's going to fight extreme poverty in another country and where we can be like, man, as hard as this is today, it's not as hard as what the kids are dealing with uh, in Senegal that we support where they're still walking five miles for dirty water that's clean enough to drink. Um, and the parent is deciding which of their children they can feed today. That That is extreme poverty. That's a reality out there. And having a purpose that's that big and a formula that you've built in so that it happens um, is, is huge. And so those are the things I refer back to. On top of that, we would love to serve you at Abenity with corporate perks for your people. Uh, from Abenity.com, you can get access to that and sign up. If you use the code founder 150, you'll get a $150 off your first month of service. I'd love to meet everybody and see them there. Um, if you want to connect with me personally, um, shoot me a text. I've got a community group that I use that uh, is the best way to connect with me and get access to some of these resources. And again, that phone number is area code 615-802-6853. You can just text join and I'll see you there.
0: Nice. Also, um, and Brian, I just want to thank you again for literally spending the, the, this hour block with me. I'm truly grateful. Now for the listeners, guys, uh, Brian's contact directly is going to be in the episode description on this episode. So you could click the link and go directly, text him, join us community, be a part of this. You 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 definitely want to reach out to Brian. Look, I don't have anyone on my show that isn't doing it at this type of level because Brian is doing it and I want I want you guys to connect. That's the whole point on getting Brian on this show for my listeners, for my audience to like not only listen to what he's saying, but apply it. Because like I always say, what good is information if you don't apply it? Right. So don't forget, guys, you could stream this full interview from start to finish on YouTube. You could stream this episode and all episodes streaming on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Radio Public, iHeartRadio and Audible. Like always, it's that time. I'll see you guys in the next one. I'm out. Peace.